Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Lavender U, a community for LGBTQ plus women and femmes, where we talk about all things queer media and representation. I'm your host, Jamie Margolin. TV and movies are what get me through life and all of the ups and downs. When the world just feels like way too much and I just cannot handle it, I turn to my favorite shows. My favorite shows are everything to me. And one of my favorite shows is the Harley Quinn animated series. The show centers Harley Quinn. She's a DC Universe not superheroes, she's a DC Universe super villain. And she is a canonically queer character, canonically bisexual. And um, it's a rated R show, so it is for adults and it's just hilarious and outrageous and satirical and overall genius. And the creators of the show, the brains behind this masterpiece, Patrick Shoemaker and Justin Halprin are here on Lavender U to talk all things Harley Quinn. Justin and Patrick, welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So the Harley Quinn animated series helped me through the first half of this pandemic. And for those of you who don't know who she is, she is often known as the girlfriend of the Joker, who is a very iconic DC character, DC villain. But recently, more and more iterations and um, content about Harley Quinn has been about her emancipating herself from the Joker because it's a very famously abusive relationship. And so the Harley Quinn animated series is about this ambitious supervillain Harley Quinn who emancipates herself from her awful relationship with the Joker and is trying to strike out on her own. It also touches upon Harley Quinn's bisexuality. She's had this very famous relationship slash partnership with another iconic DC supervillain, Poison Ivy. And it's finally been explored in a film medium in the Harley Quinn animated series. So what drew you to wanting to create a show about them? Oh man, Pat, you want to, you want me to take this one? Sure. Uh, go, go for uh, it. We've been TV writers for a while. We were, we we're under a, what's called an overall deal at Warner brothers, which means like we kind of exclusively create shows for Warner brothers. And while we were doing that, um, the head of Warner Brothers TV, she knew that we, especially Patrick, Patrick was a huge comic book uh, fan, uh, said, hey, we want to try to do like an R-rated animated show about Harley Quinn, but we have no idea what to do. Do you guys want to take a stab at it? We couldn't say yes fast enough. <laughs> it was like exactly what we had been <laughs> wanting to do. The character of Harley had never sort of existed on her own right like she never had mm-hmm. she was always kind of tied to the joker and so we we kind of like we could tell a story about someone who was in a really like toxic abusive relationship who tries to extricate themselves from that relationship and find their own identity when they're not attached to this like oxygen sucking monster mm-hmm. that we could tell that story and we could actually take the time to tell that story we wouldn't have to like you know rush them through their uh uh, rehab like in a montage we, we'd be able to show the ups and downs of, of getting out of an abusive relationship and so that was the first thing that kind of 
uh, really attracted us about like a take of the show. I mean, we wanted to make it really, really funny, you know, but we also wanted yeah. to be able to have that kind of like emotional grounding that we could track. Um, and that was the start of it. Yeah. And I think like at, at the time, and this was back in 2016, you know, like um, we always knew that the first season was going to be more about, you know, it was, it, the show's called Harley Quinn. It's Harley's show, but it's going to be about her and Ivy's relationship and their friendship and the evolution of that all the while, their romance was always an option. It was kind of always on the table when we originally pitched the show. And then eventually, as we we started talking about the second season, we were like, okay, well, this is the season where we we do want to start to explore. Now Now that Harley, by the end of the first season, has found her place in the sort of ecosystem of Gotham's underworld, she staked her claim as kind of like the criminal kingpin of God or queenpin of Gotham, rather. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what what does she want? What does she, you know, what el- what else is going to make her complete? And you know, that's when we started to explore her feelings for Ivy and that they were deeper than their longtime friendship. Uh, you know, in the comics, it's it's been done, but they kind of like it's a little bit of a of a back and forth. Like sometimes they're together, together. Sometimes they're friends. And we're like, this is like an opportunity to like solidify that aspect of their relationship in the show, and and you know, explore these two characters in in ways that aren't uh, you know necessarily canonically there in the comics all the time. So. Um, as a, a queer fan of uh, supervillains, again, I love like female supervillains are everything to me. So Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn are like the most iconic female supervillains and um, seeing them solidified for the first time in like such a mainstream way was just really amazing to see. And a lot of like fans really, really appreciated it. You know, it's it's really rough out there if you're a, a gay lady trying to find representation, especially in animation. And so it was really nice to see their relationship come together in such a beautiful way. That's really good to hear. I mean, I think for for us, like when we're making anything, we're always trying to think of like, how can we tell stories that are, haven't been told in in this way or haven't been told period. And, and it was one of those things where like, no, when we looked at it, we're like, no one had just told this kind of relationship as a relationship, like as these two people who fall in love with each other and get together and and I remember thinking like, oh, I wonder if DC, when we decided that was the direction we wanted to go, because we knew the history that had been in the comics and and we were wondering like, oh, are they going to say no? And I think like we had kind of like led them into the... I don't want to say trap, but we'd like let them, we'd let them far enough. You often got to do that. Yeah, we led them far enough down the road and we'd like really set it up. Like we tried to like earn it. Like from episode one, there's a moment in episode one where Ivy tells her she loves her and you see on Ivy's face that it's more than just like, I love you as a friend. And, and so we tried to set it up from like the very first episode of the series as as something we could work to. Um, And they were you know, supportive. That's what I was going to ask is like a lot of times with animation, I've heard so many stories of people having to fight so hard to get queer representation in there. Mm -hmm. Like the first ever animated show to feature 
queer characters was The Legend of Korra. I love that show. And the creators were like, you know, they wouldn't let Korra and Asami kiss. So they had to like hold hands and stare Mm -hmm. into each other's eyes because like Nickelodeon wouldn't let them go that far. There is so much homophobia out there. And a lot of I've seen a lot of comments under some of the the posts of like the, the official like Harley Quinn like trailers and stuff. They're like, why are you ruining this with the gay agenda? And like, I know that networks often just like to have as broad appeal as possible. So they try to appeal to the straight majority as much as possible so like was there any backlash or any fighting that you had to do i I think in the context of their relationship and portraying a queer relationship there was no pushback whatsoever oh um Mm -hmm. it's the paradox of like you can show people being like decapitated but you can't show characters like engaging in like sex Yes. Yeah, a ton, tons of blood and guts, but like it has nothing to do with like. There's a lot of with, blood and guts know, in the uh, show. <laughs> being queer or being straight or whatever. Like it just has to do with like we're uncomfortable uh, showing, you know, uh, sex. <laughs> you know, that kind of, and I think we, we sort of like uh, in, in the show, you know, we, we, we still get away with some things. Yeah. Um, this season moving forward is is gonna i mean we definitely push the envelope in terms of like uh you know sexual situations and that kind of thing like right from the get-go i think we we can we can guarantee that the the very first scene of season three is going to uh maybe turn some heads uh with what we're doing there and i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything but it's just i think it's a it's a big a big joke to open open the beginning this First sort of scene <laughs> of season three yeah a little scoop it's I really, love it really fun I, I would say they were they were really wonderful uh they being you know the studio and the network at DC in letting us kind of run with it with with Harley and Ivy's sexuality and, and their relationship that actually leads into my next question is I'm so tired of like shows being about like oh no you're gay or you're bi, that's so hard. Let's <laughs> unpack this and everyone will be homophobic. Like no one was like, oh no, Harley likes a girl. Like there was no questioning of her labels or questioning of, she was just like, I'm in love with Poison Ivy. And everyone was like, oh, okay, cool. But Ivy's engaged to someone else. And it wasn't, and that was the conflict, not you're both girls. Like it was just so such a relief to see that. And both of you are men. And there is a history of men making art about queer women that is very fetishizing and made for the male gaze and not for actual queer women. But Harley Quinn didn't feel like it was for the male gaze at all. Like as a gay girl watching it, I wasn't like, oh, my God, this is totally for men. (laughs) How did y'all get it right? Uh, We were really, really... uh, We did not want to do what you were just (laughs) describing, which is like make something that felt like we were like appropriating this uh relationship and then like trying to like repackage it and sell it for like you know some group of fanboys that like it would it would appeal to like like oh girl and yeah girls, oh, exactly kind of stuff, yeah. i also think it helped that we we i mean our writer's room was was we had a lot of women in the writer's room uh and a, a lot of uh, discussion about everything, like when we were talking through how this was going to like play out. And the more that everyone would talk about it, the more it just became clear that it was like the meat of this is two people that love each other and who are very much like opposites. 
Ivy has a lot of social anxiety and she's very introverted and Harley is like impulsive and outspoken. And the one moment I remember was when we were like talking about, uh, we were talking about going down this path. There was a writer on the show who's queer and uh, she was like, don't do a coming out story. Like, please don't do oh, yes. a coming out. Like, please just have the, please just have yes. them be in a relationship. Oh, like, don't I make this. And we were like, like uh, Sabrina Jilly. She was like, don't, don't do that. That's, we like, okay. That's, that was the thing that was that. so, <laughs> oh, it was so wonderful. And the feeling in the writer's room was like, you know, yes, there are differences in a queer relationship than a straight relationship, but that the like it's people who love each other and that is at the core of the relationship Mm -hmm. and so that was what we were we tried really hard to focus on that and I remember after it came out we had you you being one of them but we had a lot of of uh queer people say like I'm so glad you didn't treat it like this like like two aliens getting together you know what I mean that it was like this relationship that was like their problems were were based in their personalities, their, you know, and who the characters were. And so I think that that's really what we tried to go for and also tried to just make sure that we were eliciting a lively discussion of a lot of different viewpoints in the room, uh, both queer and straight, uh, uh, to make sure we were like moving forward in a direction everybody felt good about. I love that. And it really annoyed me to see a lot of like the comic book dude bros. I would see all sorts of comments like, um, oh, why do you have to to ruin this good show? Like it was such a cool show by like pushing the gay agenda down our throats. And it's like, this is like a cool comic book show and you're turning it into social activism, which is saying that the existence of queer people is inherently activism and not just people existing. Um, Massive spoiler alert, though I've already given so many spoilers at this point. Like, you just need to watch the show. I'm sorry. Um, Poison Ivy has this relationship with this. uh, Personally, I don't like the character because it's everything (laughs) about, like, men that I hate. But she's engaged to this guy named Kite Man. And it's a pet peeve of mine when, like, amazing, awesome, badass women date like dudes who are just so cringy and awful i'm like oh my god like so seeing the relationship with ivy and kite man was like my least favorite part of the show i'm like i hate this so much it makes my blood boil and that's the type of guy that in all the rom-coms and typical like straight shows always gets the girl but in this case he doesn't get the girl the girl gets the girl and the dude bros online lost it. They were like, <laughs> justice for Kite Man. How dare you do this? Like, it was so funny because it was like, for once, the dopey white guy doesn't get the girl and everyone loses their minds. So like, what was it like seeing like the, the I don't know what to call them, but like annoying dude bros and their hot homophobic takes about it's, the show? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because, you know, that that is a response that I expected but the, the response that I didn't expect was that, and this was anomalous, but like I was kind of, I was contacted directly just, you know, on Twitter or whatever from some gay men who disapproved of what we hmm. did. Um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was gay men who were men. like, I am, I'm a father and I disapprove of this, you know, despite being queer, I 
disapprove of the way that this happened. And it was because I disapprove of the infidelity aspect of it, which I thought was really interesting. Because like at the end of the day, you know, if you do watch all, you know, through the end of season two, you know, really it's, it's Kite Man who is like the one who calls off the relationship with Ivy because he's like, I can see the forest or the trees. I can see that you're in love with Harley. You don't love me. You love her. And it was like, you know, everybody want, like who took this stance just wanted, they wanted Ivy and Harley to like come clean right off the bat. And it's like, I felt like this is such a classic story that just happened to be about two women getting together. And it's like, there's no conflict if like she immediately like comes out and says, hey, we hooked up and, you know, they're harboring secrets. And also it is a difficult thing that has nothing to do with queerness or straightness or whatever. It's a difficult thing. It's a double standard. Yes. Yeah. Because there, like every show ever, like there is infidelity and no one has a problem with it if it's like straight people. But because it was the girls cheating on the guy, since when are all the, the dude bros have such moral stances against cheating? They're like, I'm not homophobic. I just don't like cheating. I'm like, so you haven't seen every show on TV ever? <laughs> right. Lash out at them. For right. Like, yeah. So, so the double standards were very annoying. And I think it's because the, the girls ended up getting what they want. And like the, the kind of quote unquote nice guy though, didn't get the girl. So it was like, oh no. <laughs> So let's jump into one of my favorite scenes of the whole show. It takes place pretty much near the end of season two. It's when Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy find themselves in a bit of a, a desperate situation. They're, they're in danger. And um, Harley Quinn has been stuffing down her feelings for Ivy, trying desperately not to let her true feelings show. And finally, she decides enough is enough. And she gives this beautiful monologue confessing her deep love for Poison Ivy and she holds Poison Ivy's hands, looks into her eyes and tells her this. Ivy, you call me out on all my bullshit, but you don't judge me for it. We had fun whether we're sitting on the couch or murdering a group of investment bakers. You showed me what the best version of myself could be and, and you held me to it. I'm in love with you. I wanna be with you. And, and yes, it might be messy. It might not work. It might even destroy our friendship forever. But love is a risk. I'd rather risk our friendship than pretend these feelings aren't real. You just, you don't give up on love. Take a risk. Take a leap of faith and be with me. This has been a long time coming since the 90s. The first time Harley and Ivy were shown together on screen was in the 90s in the Batman animated series and Poison Ivy was all sultry and she was like I'm gonna teach you about female empowerment and like you should break up with the Joker and like they were always doing these capers together and they clearly had chemistry and so they were kind of queer baiting since the 90s and then finally it was just so emotional to finally see them get together so I really loved that 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 love confession scene. It's funny because that scene was rewritten a bazillion times but uh We'd stalled for about like four episodes because Harley clearly had feelings for Ivy. They had gotten together and she had she had like taken a baby step towards trying to say how she felt. But but we wanted to we wanted to to have Harley try to talk herself out of it because Ivy uh, was with somebody else and she was like trying to respect her friendship with her as well. And she was like, well, maybe this is what Ivy wants. She wants to be with this guy that I think is dopey, but maybe this is what she wants. And he was. Yeah, exactly. 
which is like, I didn't want, I don't want to ruin that. But I, we wanted at that very last moment for her to, to basically be like, look, every moment I'm with you is the best, basically the best moment of my life kind of thing, you know? And, and we wanted her to speak from a place of like, every part of us together makes me feel complete, right? That's what we wanted mm. to kind of like get to that feeling of like what Ivy was missing with Kite Man, which is like, he didn't bring any of that to that relationship with her. And so we wanted to like write this, you know, monologue where Harley is kind of like letting it out there, letting it all out there without worrying about what the response is going to be. And and so that's what we wanted to get her to with that scene. It's interesting because I think throughout the whole show, if you look at like, like Ivy had deep love for Harley, but um, I mean, I guess with the whole thing with Kite Man, and she said this later, is like she just went along with it. He was like pushing and pushing her, and then she was just like, okay, sure. I don't know. It was very interesting to see like the, the different kinds of relationships of the kind that you just kind of fall into because the other person pushes so hard or like with Harley where she had such intense feelings for Harley that she was scared to even jump into it. Um, I'm really excited for season three of this show when I saw the announcement that it finally got renewed because I don't know why they didn't renew it immediately for like <laughs> 40 more seasons. And then when I saw the season three renewal with the very homosexual poster of Harley and Ivy <laughs> holding little champagne glasses like right about to kiss, I was like, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted. Um, how much can you tell us about season three? Like anything at all you can give us um, some breadcrumbs to hold us off. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, in terms of the release date, I, I would say uh, we're, we're looking at probably early 2022. Uh, mm-hmm. It's what I can say that it's not giving anything away is that you know Harley and Ivy are going to be strong as a couple all the way you know through the entire season. We're not going to like play any sort of false stakes of them uh, you know potentially breaking up. Uh, we want them to be in a healthy, loving relationship. And, um, you know, I think this, this season rather is going to explore a ton of Ivy and kind of like what her aspirations are, um, now that she is, you know, in this relationship and that Harley is kind of ready to help Ivy focus on her, uh, a little bit. Mm. And so Ivy is, you know, if, if we were able to change the name of the show this season, I, I think Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy would, would be an appropriate title because it really is truly a two-hander this season with a ton of episodes focusing on, on Ivy. I love that. It's, it's uh, what Pat said is definitely true. And I, and I think the other thing that I think people can look forward to in this season, we really kind of like have these two characters learn more about each other within the context of a romantic relationship. So, uh, like, you know, they know each other so well as friends, but there are little things now that they need to navigate as um, a couple, you know? And I think the other thing that we really focus on in this really, in this season is the idea that, you know, for Harley, she's only been in a really toxic relationship, right? So she has a lot of, like, bad habits from that relationship. Mm. And for Ivy, Ivy's someone who literally, like, everyone who she's loved has hurt her or let her down at some point in her life. And even though she Mm. loves Harley and she's completely invested, it's still hard for her. It's going to be hard for her to like completely just always like let people in when she's having a tough time. 
So mm. um, I think we're going to like explore those two in a relationship. And, and of course, you know, like anybody watches our show, like we like to do like big, fun, crazy stuff. So there's going to be plenty of big, fun, crazy stuff. There is an episode in this season that we were literally like, there's no way that they're going to let us do this episode. Just <laughs> DC is not going to let us do it. HBO Max is not going to let us do it. And then we pitched it. And so far, they've been like, yeah, you can do it. So I'm really excited for people to see Ooh. it. <laughs> oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. So every single animated show that I can remember, um, I know there are some exceptions to this. Um, the queer couple always gets together at the end, like right when the season's about to end so they can shoehorn it in, like like right at the end so that they don't actually have to do that much gay stuff. And it's like a happily ever after. Um but then what comes after that you don't really see after happily ever after in stories about queer people. And so I'm so excited to see that. And I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just pumped for season three. So thank you for the scoop. Um, my last question for you guys is, uh, do you have any tips for people who want to create shows like Harley Quinn? Um, is there anything that you wish you knew um, when you just started? And what are your your tips for um, what, what do you leave people with um, for any aspiring um, people who want to make, I don't know, shows about anything or shows about queer supervillains uh, <laughs> who go out and smash everything? <laughs> we are certainly not the authority on queer supervillain shows by any means. This has been a really lear- uh, like steep learning curve for us, learning a lot from the, the, the fan response from the queer community. But uh, no, I think in terms of just general like screenwriting, breaking in, that kind of thing. You got to do something splashy. You've got to do, uh, you know, the project that you want to see on the air that's not there. Yeah. That, you know, is going to make like a big splash, um, you know, super memorable. You just can't go into it cynically with the idea of, I, I want to write something like this other show or whatever. Right. It's got to be, this is the show or this is the movie, or this is the book that doesn't exist that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think make the stuff that you want to see. Like, for instance, like, you're a good example of that, of, like, you sent me a DM, you're like, hey, I made something in, in school, and it's like, that's what people need to be doing. You're like, I wanted to see this thing. I made this thing, you know, like, every world, come look at this thing that I made. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're making the the thing that you want to see, then you're you're starting from a really good spot. Even if it's like a minute long short that you're putting on, uh, it's just like an idea that you have. Where you're like, I want to see this. Making as much stuff as you can make is the best way. Because at some point, somebody's going to see it. And somebody who can like champion you and help you and like uh, those two components of make the thing you want to see, and, but then actually like get it out there once you make it. Right, you know? right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, do you have any final words, thoughts, um, final scoops or, or fun tidbits from the show or anything like that, anecdotes that you'd like to share with us before I let you go to continue writing season three, which I have to wait a whole year for, but it's fine. I know good art takes time. I just want to fast forward so I can see it. Um, anything else you want to leave us with or, or fun things you want to tell us before I let you return to writing the masterpiece? no i mean i think you know we're excited it's really nice to hear how much you love the show and and thank you for being so vocal about it as well and like you know we i think we've both always worked in our career hoping 
that someday we would make a show that would have people, you know, talking about it and wanting to ask us things about it. And so for two guys who have been working in the business a long time, like this has been immensely gratifying. And I just want to like thank the fans in general for watching and, and wanting to have a discussion about it. Hmm. Patrick, anything you want to add? It's hard to top that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually, um, I've annoyed every single person I know because I talk about the show so much and I keep trying to get them to watch it. Everyone is like, if you talk about the Harley Quinn animated series one more time, Jamie, I swear to God. <laughs> and I just want you guys to know, I am your PR person at this point um, because I've just been telling everyone about it so much it annoys people. Well, thank you. Um, well, that is all. Thank you so much, Justin and Patrick, for coming on to Lavender U and talking to the pod about the Harley Quinn animated series. We really appreciated having you here. Thank you so much for having us on. Thanks so much for, uh, for having us, Jamie. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lavender U. Our show is produced by Goal 17 Foundation, and our theme song is Love Line by the one and only Zolita. We release new episodes every other Thursday, so make sure you like, rate, and subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And follow us on social media too. We are at LavenderUPod, that's Y-O-U, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're a queer person out there who's just feeling alone or sad or anxious or like no one in the world understands what it's like, know that you are not alone. Lavender U is a community of people who love and accept you. And our DMs on social media are always open if you need to talk. Send us a message anytime. We are here for you. See you next episode. And until then, long live the gays. <laughs> <laughs>